Welcome to the Shannon Plan. This is episode 114. My name is Kyle Posey. I'm joined, as always, by Akash Anabarathan. Akash, how are you? The last time we talked, there was no Christian McCaffrey. The 49ers had a few more draft picks. The landscape of the team was different. A lot to get into today. We are fresh off of a, another loss, second loss in a row. Um, I think I don't think either of you, either of us, expected that to happen. But even in the way that they did lose, definitely didn't expect it to unfold that way. What's going on, man? Nothing much, man. Uh, just like you, just like you said, there wasn't expecting to be doing this podcast after a loss. We both picked them to win, and honestly, didn't see you know it unraveling that way i think the game was a little closer than maybe the score indicates because at two different points they were only down by five points in the fourth quarter and kind of unraveled there at the end but just unfortunate i'm rocking my uh, 2019 hot boys shirt right now representing those linebackers but uh yeah nothing much man this linebacking crew needs to play better speaking of linebackers they do yeah they do and you could say that for the majority of position groups on this team, it seems like. And I don't know, I don't want to say that like they're going through the motions, but they, they definitely seem more lethargic than we're used to seeing. And uh, that does not go for Brandon. You, I, I tweeted this clip out where he just kind of manhandled uh, a linebacker. That was pretty cool to see. And after the game, he said, we need to be better. Like we have way too many playmakers to only be dropping 23 points. And I agree with that. So let's talk about what's the biggest issue on offense. Everybody wants to point the finger. It's Kyle Shanahan's fault. It's Jimmy Garoppolo's fault. It's the offensive line's fault. It's the wide receiver's fault for not catching the ball. You can make an argument for each of those, but. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say. So let's let's cut up the piece of the pie here. What do you, who do you think is most at fault? And let's start start there and go from there. Unfair or not, uh, I think Kyle Shanahan deserves the largest piece of the pie, uh, or you know, the brunt of the bait of the blame here, and not because of his play calling, right? That's what I feel like everyone wants to criticize him for are certain play it's calls. The easy way out. It's the easy way out, but I think ultimately, week in and week out, they have execution mistakes from a different player, from a different position group, week in and week out that consistently kills plays uh, or leads to negative plays or lost yardage. And ultimately, I think that falls on coaching. You're either coaching it or you're allowing it to happen, and they consistently allow the stuff to happen. And so I, you know, right now, got to point the finger at Kyle Shanahan. When we're talking about just Kyle Shanahan as a play caller, when I'm watching them, they do some really cool stuff, like schematically. And then there are some plays where you're wondering – is that on Jimmy? Is that on Kyle for getting them in that look? Does he not trust Jimmy to make the correct audibles? And even if he does, so there are there are plays where you can see Jimmy. You know, he puts two hands on his head. He's canning the player. He's can, killing can, the player. Can. So he's going to the the second play, the second option. And there are times when that that happens, and they're not getting into the right look. So is that why, you know, maybe Kyle Shanahan doesn't let Jimmy throw the ball like everybody wants to? And we everybody's always said this that Kyle is the actual quarterback of the mm -hmm. offense, no matter who is under center. And we're kind of seeing that play itself out. But 
one thing that I want to know is like how much more we're going to see Christian McCaffrey involved. So there, there, there were times when last week, so he, he played 22 snaps, newly acquired Christian McCaffrey, Christian McCaffrey, that people are wondering, is he going to be around? Uh, how long, how much longer is he going to be around? How often is he going to be used? Is he going to be used as a running back? Is he going to be used as a wide receiver? Will it be all of the above? I think we got a pretty clear view. So last week of the 22 snaps that he played, 15 of those came in the backfield. Um, he had some where he was in the slot at wide receiver. He had some out wide as wide receiver. In my mind, the best version of the 49ers offense features when they are essentially empty. So they had one play where Kittle's in the slot on one side, McCaffrey's in the slot on the other side, and then flanked both of them are Debo, and then you have IU. Like, there's really no way to stop that, and we saw Kittle get a one-on-one over the middle. And he picked up a first down. They should do a lot more of that. But again, that's going to come down to the trust that Kyle Shanahan has in his quarterback to execute against the blitz. As we saw, that did not happen against the Chiefs. There were times where the Chiefs had an extra guy. And for those that don't know, their defensive coordinator is a nut job. Steve Spagnuolo, he is going to bring the house. He is going to blitz far greater than D'Amico Ryan. Mm-hmm. He has one of the highest blitz rates in the NFL. What I think is pretty cool was crazy. Like on the red zone interception, for example, they brought seven players. Like you rarely see that near the goal line end. So you knew one guy was going to be uncovered. Yep. Which again, for those that don't know, when there's an extra rusher, that is on the quarterback to identify. So he's either responsible for that extra rusher or needs to get the ball out and find whatever his check route or sorry, his check down is or whoever hot. The hot alert route is, which could be a fade, whoever, who knows, depending on the play. But against the Chiefs, like there were answers. Kyle Shanahan had the check down option available. Most of the time that was like Jeff Wilson, Kyle Yuschek, somebody coming underneath right in front of the quarterback's face. And, and he did not get the ball out or where he needed to. And other times, the ball just wasn't accurate. So I think what we really saw is the difference in quarterback play. And that goes without saying Jimmy Garoppolo and Patrick Mahomes. But one guy was able to create outside the structure, under duress, extend plays. The other guy just, I don't want to say crumbled under pressure, but it really felt like that for Jimmy G. Yeah, especially in this game. Uh, you know, I mentioned this, this to you before we hit record. I thought Jimmy G was playing really well the last few weeks, just under control. Uh, he was pushing the ball down the field. It just felt like he was seeing the field well, and it felt like this was more of a bad Jimmy Garoppolo game, which, again, if you just look at the box score, you wouldn't necessarily see, right? You look at the box score, you look at the stat line, be like, okay, that you know wasn't a terrible day. But, yeah, just like you mentioned, if you just, you know, in the rewatch, go through just the plays back to back to back in sequence, you're just like, you know, some plays he's inaccurate but has the right read, some plays... You know, he's stepping up in the pocket when he probably could have stayed, walks into a sack. Just enough mistakes that this offense, which is so methodical moving the ball down the field, they just they just couldn't afford. Um, and ultimately, I would say he deserves, you know, the brunt of the blame for at least this loss. Yeah, it's really tough to overcome some of the mistakes that he made. And when I say mistakes, people only will – focus on you know the one turnover that happened but again there were times where guys are just running open and 
he either didn't hit them in stride, didn't give them a chance to run after the catch, or just didn't get rid of the ball in time in general. To be fair to not just Jimmy, not just the offense, but Kyle Shannon as well, the defense did not hold up their end of the nope. bargain. I saw, I believe it was uh, somebody from PFF tweet out that Patrick Mahomes just had the highest EPA per play, essentially top three advanced stats against a number one defense during the past few seasons. It was surgical. The way that they came out in the second half and just undressed the 49ers defense, they made that unit look helpless. And we knew that this was going to be a step up in class considering the quarterbacks the 49ers had faced leading up to this game. So if you just go down the list, Justin Fields, Geno Smith, Baker Mayfield, Matthew Stafford, Marcus Mariota, none of those guys equate to Patrick Mahomes. And Geno's having a great season, but Seattle didn't know what they had in week two, and they weren't using Geno in the same way they are now. Mahomes, I don't know that he made a mistake. So it felt like he was always going to bounce back. And the Chiefs and Andy Reid were going to bounce back after a loss. But I thought the way that they played the 49ers just was pretty masterful. So what I did not expect was them to pick on Charverius Mooney Ward. And that happened early and often. I did not expect them to pick on Jimmy Ward. That also happened early and often. It's not often that we see those two targeted in the manner that we did so. 12 times, Charverius I think. Mooney Ward, tw- exactly. 12 times. I Like going off the top of my head, I would imagine six targets for each were Sounds right. a season high for both. So as you mentioned, they were targeted 12 times. Let me see if I can pull that up quick because the yardage was insane too. Wasn't they gave up – Didn't no, they gave up 12 catches for, I want to say it was like 140 some odd yards. 146 yards, yeah, right. Sounds and, right. Um, Mooney gave up 32 yards after the catch. Jimmy Ward gave up 24 yards after the catch. Of course, Ward was beat for a couple of touchdowns near the red zone. And he wasn't really close on either of those plays. Nope. Naturally, after these games happen, like after that happens, you get, oh, this player is overrated, that player is overrated. I really just think it was a poor matchup. Like Travis Kelsey is tough for anybody to guard. And it both of those players looked like guys who were returning from injuries. So that's why it's probably not when people say, is this defensive is this defense overrated? I really thought they just ran into a buzzsaw, a bad matchup. And Andy Reid did a fantastic job of scheming around the strengths of the 49ers defense. He kept I mean, the defensive line was kept at bay for the majority of the game. You don't often say that um, with a team that has Nick Bosa. And leading up to this game, whether it was Samson Evercombe, whether it was Charles Aminahue, like all of those guys were active and creating pressure at a very high rate. And all of a sudden, poof. And Nick Bosa talked about that after the game. I don't know if you saw the clip, but he was asked like what they did. And he talked about it a little bit. And then he gave a long pause and said, I just need to be better. I just need to be more prepared next time. To me, well, I don't, again, I don't know if you saw that, but it sound, it seemed like that. he wanted more help, like he needed more help. So I asked, did we overrate the 49ers defense? And if so, where did we go wrong? Um, I think it – I don't know if we necessarily overrated them. 
just based off of the way they played in the first five weeks, right? They were putting up historic numbers, yards per play, passing yards, rushing yards, all the advanced metrics, right? EPA per play success rate, DVOA. They were number one in just about any statistic you'd picked. And so they were on historic pace and we thought they would be able to keep that up. I think a couple of factors have played into that. I'd say the first one is Eric Armstead being out. In the three games he's played, they're allowing 64 uh, rushing yards a game. In the three games he's missed, I think it's 111 yards per game. And so basically double the rush yards. They're just not getting as much interior pressure. And Kyle Shanahan alluded to this, I think, on Monday in our conference call. He was basically like, yeah, man, we've got like fourth, fifth string guys playing starter roles, and they're just not holding up the same. And so he's like, it is what it is. And so I think that's contributed to the drop off. And then just the injury returns. Mooney Ward, is he, you know, how close is he to 100%? Nick Bosa, how close is he to 100%? They just, they just didn't look the same uh, like they did pre injury. And then same thing with Jimmy Ward. So I think just the combination of those two things just has them off kilter a little bit. But I have a feeling just there's too much talent on that side of the ball. I think they start to figure it out and get back on track. Yeah, this is still one of the deepest rosters in the NFL, and I know people will probably kind of get tired of hearing that, but generally the Jimmys and Joes prevail, as a, especially as the season goes along. They do have to stay healthy. And right. You mentioned Eric Armstead. Over the last two seasons, he's been one of the best run defenders in the NFL. Kyle Shanahan on Monday said he's our best player in there. He also said that he believes Eric Armstead will return this week, which will be a big deal because obviously it's not not just a divisional game against the Rams that will have a lot of implications, I imagine, on who wins the division. But they're not very good up front and they're banged up and the Rams are coming off a bye week, which should matter still having Armstead back and being able to slot all of your backups back into their roles should go a long way. OK, let's let's keep it Chiefs here before we turn the page. Do you think I guess Aside from the defense, what was your biggest, like, what was your one takeaway? What really, I guess, did anything change your mind about the complexion of this 49ers team now that you've had a couple of days to digest? I think the biggest surprise um, was the seeing the coaches get completely taken to school by opposing coaches two weeks in a row. It felt like Arthur Smith was all over D'Amico Ryan's defense last week controlled the game flow, basically had control of that that entire game. Chiefs, they went down 10-0, but it never felt like they were out of it. And they flipped a switch. Niner coaches had no no answer. And so I think the biggest surprise is seeing Kyle Shanahan and D'Amico Rines get out coached two weeks in a row. Now they get Sean McVay um, off of a bye. So they've had an extra week to prepare. And so I'm... That's probably what just gives me a little pause. Yeah, that'll again, that'll be interesting to see what kind of wrinkles the Rams come out, you know, because obviously, you know, they've been preparing for this game for a couple of weeks. They missed out on the CMC sweepstakes. Who knows what to expect from Sean McVay and company still. Uh, history does matter in this matchup. And I I imagine the 49ers will. I mean, they're they've lost two in a row. The Rams are coming off the bye and the 49ers are still a favorite. I think that says a lot when talking about this matchup. Okay, so the defense is not 
totally overrated. The offense does have issues that they have to work out. Again, I wonder how much moving forward Christian McCaffrey will be the focal point of this offense. We do have to note that Debo Samuel is day-to-day with a hamstring injury. Will they take it easy on him? Will I mean, if you look at how he's performed against the Rams, it's like 100 yards, 100 yards, 100 yards. I think since 2020, so they played each other, before Nazareth Rams have played each other five times. He's had one, he's had one game where he didn't surpass a hundred total yards against the Rams. So he he usually lights it up against him. And you have to imagine, and obviously the, that Aaron Donald thing will forever remain a motivational factor. It'll be tough for Debo to sit out, even with uh dealing with a an injury. We'll see if he practices on Wednesday, much like Mooney Ward sitting out against the Chiefs. Will we see Jason Red? I think that's another big question that people want to know. The 49ers have to make a decision by Wednesday. So probably by the time you're listening to this, we will know if Jason Brett has been activated. Quietly, though, again, just going back to the Chiefs game, and I know it's a small sample size, but they didn't really pick on D'Almo Lenore like I thought they would. So he was targeted four times, gave him 48 yards. So maybe they did uh, somewhat pick on him. <laughs> When Ambry Thomas came in the game, they wasted no time throwing the ball at him and completed a 19-yard back shoulder fade. But I guess, to be fair, if you just look at everybody, whether it was Warner, whether it was Greenlaw, like they all gave everybody. up explosive plays. Yeah, so Warner's longest uh, reception, he was technically he was credited for giving up a 45-yarder. Greenlaw gave up a Was that the one to yarder. Kelsey? Yep. That was the one to Kelsey right down the right sideline, yeah. He was yeah, just and he, and slow Warner, in that play. He he had his eyes caught in the back. He usually doesn't. The way that he's been playing the last couple of weeks is not anywhere near the type. Right. Or he's usually more cerebral. He's always one step ahead and one step ahead of the offense, and that just hasn't been the case uh, with Warner. So that's another reason why it's tough to blame um, or just give up on what the defense, what you're seeing from the defense. And again, he usually plays at a superhero level, so maybe we're, we hold him to such a higher standard that. Whenever he gives up even one play, it's like, whoa, what's wrong with Warner? But just going back to that game, so he gave up a long play. Greenlaw gave up a 22-yarder. Or sorry, yeah, 22-yarder. Ambry Thomas had that 19-yard back shoulder fade. Uh, Dionor Lenore gave up a 34-yarder. Tayshawn Gibson gave up a 40-yarder. Mooney Ward gave up a 57-yarder. Demetrius Flanagan Bowles gave up a 20-yarder. Jimmy Ward gave up a 17-yard. They gave up a third and 20 screenplay to Jarek McKinnon, who, by the way, is a pretty solid player. But still, everybody knows that should not happen. Everybody knew that that was probably going to happen. The third downs that they allowed on defense in the lack of pass rush, it would have been tough for them to play any worse than they did, which is why you have to imagine these last two weeks might serve as a reality check the 49ers and hey, hey we need to wake up we need to do this maybe it's even more motivation for eric armstead to come back do you think we see javon kinlaw on the field at all for the rest of the season and shanahan kind of hinted at that but maybe let me phrase it like this will we see javon kinlaw on the field by december so another month it's hard to say just because there is so little information on what's going on with him with eric armstead the other day Kyle Shanahan was basically like, yeah, you know, we can't control how much it flares up. So basically, you know, something in this foot's inflamed and even just resting, it's flaring up, clearly a lot of pain, unable to play. With Javon Kinlaw, it's like, what is going on with that knee, right? They're like, 
well, there's knee soreness, there's like fluid buildup, but I feel like there's no timeline on when he's going to come back. So just given his injury history, I would be, I would feel better betting that he doesn't return the season, which sucks because he's been an impact player when he's been out there, but yeah, just no saying if he shows up the road. I, he, he could just be up in a suite the rest of the year. And I, if you told me that I would believe you. I wonder if the 49ers are done dealing and obviously they don't have the draft capital this year and they've, they've traded some future picks as well. But what if they, they're aware that Ken law is going to be out for an extended period of time, maybe for the season, what if they're worried about Armstead and his injury lingering any longer because he, he could play this week, he could play next week, and he could have another setback or he could have an issue where, um, you know, his body doesn't respond. And we've seen that across the board at a couple different positions. But do you think the McCaffrey deal was the last trade that we'll see from this team? And I don't want to go – and there's been some just wild hypotheticals like they're going to trade Trey Lance and like who knows if that happens. But realistically, do you think we see another deal from the Niners over the next week because the trade deadline's coming up? That's right. Trade deadline is the first, right? So we've got another six days. Yep. I I just don't think we we see another deal. I, draft capital-wise, they they don't have a first, second, or a fourth next year. They've got a couple comp thirds, so not even their own third. It'll be at the back end of the third round. They've got a couple of those and a couple fifths that are also comps, I believe. So they don't have very much, very much draft capital. And I, I know the Raiders, I think they traded away a defensive tackle, Jonathan Hankins, earlier today. So maybe there's someone like that that could be had. I do think they need help if they know that, you know, Armstead's going to be up and down the season. And Ken Law's not coming back anytime soon. I would look to make a move because those guys on the inside just aren't aren't holding up as well. And now you factor in that the linebacker play isn't as stout. They just look exposed up front. And so I I would look to make a move if you know that those guys are going to miss extended amount of time. Yeah, I agree. And we're, we're starting to see some movement in the early trade front. Like Jonathan Hankins got traded. And that's like a, a run-stopping guy. So I think the 49ers should look – at some names who are like bench, for example, and it's a way different position, but Matt Ryan was just bench. So if you need a quarterback, you should probably go after Matt Ryan. Uh, Mark Lucci uh, should have an article on Niners Nation coming about potential trade candidates. So that'll be fun and something to look forward to. Okay, before we get out of here, let's talk about the Rams, the predictions. Everybody knows about this matchup. Kyle Shanahan owns Sean McVay in the regular season, not necessarily in uh, the postseason after that, after last year. But still, I mean, the matchup still favors the 49ers. They still have the advantage in the trenches. So one thing that nobody's really talked about is the play of the offensive line. And I, I just watching the game, I thought that Aaron Banks, Spencer Burford, like they played about as well as they could. I thought Aaron Banks looks really good. I think that Jake Brindle is doing fine and holding his own. And some of the, the issues that we saw from the tackles between Mike McGlinchey, between Trent Williams, like that can be fixed and solved just by the quarterback simply stepping up into the pocket, maybe not holding on to the ball for over three and a half seconds. So it, you see, I think what you see, and just if you're watching the game along on social media, that it's easy to blame. Um, an offensive lineman when he makes one mistake or it, even in the case of Jimmy, like there are plays where 
he can he can play very well. He does a really good job of bailing out an offensive lineman at times. But then we'll see like the fadeaway <laughs> red zone interceptions. Like those are those happen far too often. So with all that in mind, do you do you think we see the 49ers offense kind of wake up and get it in gear? Because whenever they play the Rams, it seems like that's when they seem to figure it out. I hope so. <laughs> I don't know if we can keep watching just the the offense shoot themselves in the foot week in and week out because it's it is hard to watch, but I think they do. It's just something about the Rams, something about the rivalry, something about that team that gets this 49er team, you know, ready to go. And in the regular season last what since 2019, right? They haven't lost, I believe. Um, in the regular season, seven and one, their last eight games. I just think after dropping two games, you're three and four. You just start to look at the playoff picture. You might have to win the division to get in, and you may not be able to just sneak in uh, through the wild card. And so you start to look at these divisional games way differently. And Rams are three and three. You could not afford to drop this game to them. So I think. I think that gets them even more laser focused this week. And hopefully that means the offensive execution is just better as they just pay more attention to details, more focused, more, more uh, locked in. So hopefully they figured it out. Yeah, they got to have it. And when Kyle Shannon spoke on his conference call Monday, he seemed like he seemed more disappointed than anything because he knew that they had a chance. He knew that they had great opportunities to put points on the board. And every time they, they would move the ball and then first and 15, they would have a good play one play and then they come back and do something that makes you scratch your head and wonder like, why, why that? So if there was a team, if there was an opponent that you wanted to play, knowing their tendencies, knowing what you're going to get, it would be the Rams. And also you're not facing Patrick Mahomes. So there's not this crazy amount of pressure to score every time. And I wonder how much of that had to do with, I mean, to be fair, they, this offense has shot themselves in the foot essentially all year. We're, and we're almost halfway through the season. So if if it doesn't stop against a divisional opponent like the Rams in this spot, off two losses, when you know you need this, this is probably going to be who the offense is at this point. Okay, who is going to be the game changer? Who's going to be the X factor? Who's going to be the difference maker coming up on Sunday? Difference maker is that Christian McCaffrey guy they traded for. Yeah, I thought he just had so much burst and juice in this game. Um even on the the plays where you'd look and you're like, the blocking isn't perfect here, but McCaffrey's patience or his ability to quickly jump cut through the offensive line was able to turn some maybe two, three yard gains into eight, nine yard gains. And I love my favorite play. It was a second and nine. I think he was lined up in the backfield. They motion him out and they throw a little swing pass to him and boom, he's got blockers in front. He's hitting the hole at a thousand miles an hour. It was like a, double-digit gain, and I think they need to involve Christian McCaffrey more in the screen, you know, quick passing game, right? Just get him the ball in space, and I think, honestly, he just he has more burst and vision than the other running backs on the roster carrying the ball, too, so I would just look to involve him as much as possible and just find different ways to get it to him. Yeah, you could see the difference. So he only played four snaps in the second half, and I feel like that should be noted as well. So when, like, 
there's a run that sticks out in my head. Ty Davis Price had a run where he's yep. running to the left. I think he got like three or four yards. But if he cuts it up the he middle, misses the hole. That's probably like if that's McCaffrey, he's probably breaking that for like 30 or 40 yards. And and you saw the difference of just knowing how to run the ball, knowing where to cut, knowing when to cut, knowing how to influence the defense. So he's yeah, he's huge, man. And the more that he digests of the playbook, the more that he's familiar with the offense, the more that he'll be able to contribute. So I do agree. Uh, he will have to be a game changer. I think it's going to have to be Talano Funga on the other side of the ball. So early on in the season, like he, his hands were all over the, like he would seemingly get his ball on a pass every game. He, he hasn't done that. And I obviously, I know I'm saying that fresh off of a game where his interception, but that was a really good play by Gibson and Hufanga just happened to be around the ball. His missed tackles are starting to rack up. That eight in the last to, four that, weeks. That is an issue. And that is an issue because when your safety is missing tackles, there's usually nobody behind him. So when he's missing a tackle, those eight yard gains are turning into 15, 16, 20, and even more of uh, these explosive plays. So Hufunga has to clean that up and just get back to living around the ball. So consistency is going to be something that he needs. But I think, again, knowing what you'll get from the Rams offense, knowing that the Rams don't really have somebody who can take the top off the defense will go a long way. So I'm going to go with Hufunga. But uh, before we get out of here, let's do some score predictions. Again, the the 49ers are – let me look at the, the line real quick. The 49ers, I know they're one-and-a-half-point one favorites. The line generally the total 40 and a half, 41. 40s. Is it really 40? <laughs> that is 41. It opened at 41, I think. Uh 42 and a half right now. Okay, so, so it's gotten bet up to 42 uh, and a half. Lower scoring. No surprise. 21, 20-ish ball game there. I see it's it's tough to bet against McVeigh not scoring points off a of bye week. And the current form of the 49ers defense, of course, Eric Armstead could help that. He usually does. You have a hard time moving the ball when 91 is on the field. I do think the 49ers win. I don't know if we see any answers that we want to see just yet. And I think that could go all the struggles, whether it's penalties, whether it's um, just I don't know. So they're in, they're in a little bit of a rut right now. I guess is the easiest way to put it. And I don't know if that gets solved before the bye week. So I'm gonna go twenty. Nope. I don't even know if I want to give them credit for scoring twenty points just yet. Let's go 49 ers I think this is going to be one where they have to grind it out, and they probably look exactly like they've looked the first seven weeks, where they move the ball. And then once they get into the opponent's territory, something goes wrong. And unfortunately, that's been the case. So I'm going to have to continue seeing that and until that changes. What do you, what do you think? I'll go 20 to 17 Niners uh, win on a Robbie Gold walk-off field goal at Levi South. Uh, to, to bring them back to 4-4, four and 3-0 four, in the division, hopefully. It's a big one. They need it. I think the winner of this game goes on to win the NFC West. Just because if the Rams were win, all of a sudden they're four and three. Niners are three and five. The divisional, you know, head-to-head tiebreakers even. So the Niners need this desperately. Just put the Rams away here and and you know, basically start to get on the right track for the back half of the season. And I think I like them in a desperate spot to win here, twenty seventeen. 
Yeah, last week didn't feel like a desperate spot just because it was the Chiefs. Like this is one that they need, and I think that they understand that. You, you're seeing you speak out after games. You're seeing Kittle start to speak out after games. So, like if not now, then when? So that'll do it for us. Thanks for listening. Please rate, subscribe, review, leave us five stars wherever it is you get your podcast. We will be back with you next Wednesday, hopefully after a divisional victory and avoiding a three-game skid. As always, go Niners. Thank you.